This morning we will continue in our four-week just brief overview of Galatians. We, we looked in week one, we talked about the gospel, the one true gospel. Uh, last week we spoke about justification through faith. And this morning we're going to talk, to, um, we're going to talk about our, our freedom. And not just freedom to, to do what we please, but freedom that we have to love one another. I mean, what do Americans love more than freedom? I mean, we do love to talk about our freedom. I mean, we speak about our freedom of religion and speech, freedom of the press. We can assemble if we want. We can actually live and travel anywhere in the nation we choose. We have the freedom to receive good quality public education. Freedom to, uh, to join a political party or a union. Actually, we can join any kind of legal group we choose. And we actually even have the freedom to even own our own property. But we also have some other freedoms that maybe we don't think so much about all the time. I mean, you have the freedom to buy foreign or domestic. You can choose Starbucks or Dunkin'. Apple or Android. NIV or ESV. And, and even as a kid, I remember when, everybody, when anybody would ask a question about whether they could do something, your response was always, it's a free world, you can do what you want. Our, our lives revolve around freedom. So much so that we find ourselves bristling, even just a little bit, when someone begins to challenge our ability to live, to choose, to, to change the way we want to act, or keep us from saying what we want. There's two current headlines that have just taken over my news feed in the last month. And Caitlyn Jenner and, and, and Rachel Giselle. Well, Caitlyn Jenner, many, many of you know by the name of, of Bruce Jenner, the former Olympian and now reality show star, talks about freedom. And talks about the freedom to be a woman. Rachel Dizel is, is a white woman who classifies herself now as a, a black woman and actually serves as a chapter president of the NAACP. Both of, these, both of these individuals speak about their freedom to choose. The freedoms to live the way they want. One speaking about changing their gender. The other one speaking about changing their race. Speaking about freedom. Too often freedom is, is thought as a freedom to do whatever we want. To fill any desire we may have. And, and, and this is just a wrong understanding of freedom. Because it actually becomes destructive to, to individuals. And it, and it becomes destructive to, to, to us as a, a people as a whole. But the freedom of a Christian is at the very heart of what it means to be saved. It is, however, a very tricky subject. Martin Luther wrote, A Christian man is the most free Lord of all, and subject to no one. A Christian man is the most dutiful servant of all, and subject to everyone. See, in Christ we have been set free. But we need to be understanding that, that we have been set free to become something, not anything. 
Paul issues a call um, to freedom in chapter 5 of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, It is so for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened against by a yoke of slavery. They have been set free from the law by Christ. They're free from this imprisonment, from this being confined by sin. And we see here in verses 2 through 6 that they're being guided again by these false teachers regarding circumcision and, and holding themselves to the letter of the law. And, and we know that, that if this is the truth you're holding on to, the law is the thing you're holding on to, then the work of Christ has no benefit for you. And then later on, verses 7 through 12, Paul speaks with confidence that they would listen to him, that they would heed his warning about this extreme danger of following these false teachers. Paul actually asks, and he says, who, who cut in on you that would keep you from obeying the truth? So this morning we find ourselves in chapter 5 of Galatians, and we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 15. This is yet another indication that the Galatians are being characterized by this ungodly living. This, this would especially be evident in the relationships that they have with their fellows, brothers, and sisters. And so if you have your Bible with you this morning, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 15. Paul writes, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, for you will be destroyed by each other. Christians are, are called to be free from sin and from self so that we can lovingly care for one another as verse 13 declares. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Speaking to his brothers and sisters in Christ, Paul distinguishes the difference between freedom to sin and freedom to serve. And, and Paul understands our nature. He recognizes that there's this huge possibility that a person that is freed from the law will begin to live in self-indulgence, sensuality, and at the very least, self-interest. So if freedom is being used as a license to sin, then it's no freedom at all. Because it's only going to enslave you. We read in John that it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, anyone who commits sin is slave to sin. Giving in to the natural desires of the depraved human nature is not freedom. It's slavery. It's destructive. But when we've come to Christ in faith, and we've been given the Holy Spirit, we've been set free from that. In, instead of being in the bondage of sin now, we're free to be conformed into the image of Christ. We're free to bear the fruit of love and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. We have to be on our guard that our freedom just doesn't become an opportunity to serve our flesh. 
I mean, we're free from the Sabbath laws and the Jewish calendar. But we shouldn't neglect assembling with the people of God. We're free from the laws of purification, but we should not indulge in impurity. We're free to drink alcohol, but we should not indulge in drunkenness. Being free in Christ does not allow us to live irresponsibly. By seeking to indulge our sinful nature is to disgrace our Lord and take advantage of the one who has given us our privilege and our freedom. We have a fire pit in our backyard. And and I'm very thankful we have it. Uh, We use it actually quite a bit throughout the summer months which really doesn't make any sense to sit around a fire when it's really hot, but that's when you do it. Um, But there is something almost magical about sitting around in the dark of the evening and watching the colored flames dance along and on the wood that's burning. To see the light, smell the smoke, hear the crackle, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Fire is beautiful when it's contained. And and fire needs to be contained. And when it's in the fire pit, it's beautiful. But fire burning across dry ground is another story. Fire burning across dry ground is out of control. It can't be tamed. It's destructive. It's overwhelming. The misuse of freedom can quickly become destructive in the life of a Christian. As believers, we're free from the law's curse, free from the penalty of death and its guilt. Any fear, any anxiety, any guilt that we feel is replaced now by peace and forgiveness and freedom. I mean, who's more free than a Christian who is free in their soul? But this is where we often fail. We're, we're so often we, we use our liberty, this freedom that we have, we use it selfishly. We begin to claim ownership on what God has, in His kindness, provided us. We, we fall into patterns of self-indulgent living, looking out for number one, getting ours. We have been freed to do right and to glorify God through the loving service of others. Christian freedom does not give us the right to do as we please, but the freedom to do as we should. Charles Spurgeon explains our liberty this way. What is God's law now? It's not above a Christian. It's under a Christian. Some men hold God's law like a rod in terror over Christians and say, if you sin, you'll be punished with it. It is not so. The law is under the Christian. It is for him to walk on, to be his guide, his rule, his pattern. We're not under the law. We are under grace. Law is the road which guides us, not the rod which drives us. So the question that we ask is, is how do we exercise responsible freedom? And the answer is we should serve one another humbly in love. And a response to this freedom is, is that we have it in Christ. And it's to serve in love. We're to imitate the love that we see from Jesus, who voluntarily took on this form of a servant and served others. Jesus came to give us freedom from dying by taking our place. 
And now He has called us to use that freedom to spread the love, to share the love, and to give grace to others. I mean, love is pouring. Love is pouring ourselves out for the good of another. I mean, any mother, any father, any aunt, any uncle knows this, experienced this. Loving a human being means treating them as though they are fully made in the image of God. And we shouldn't be so quick to miss the link between our love for God and our love for our neighbors. I mean, they're linked because the way you treat those created in the image of God speaks very highly of how you view God. It says something about the way you feel about Him and the way you treat His creation. True freedom. True freedom sets us free from self-seeking, keeps us from, from looking and searching, and allows us to find joy in meeting the needs of others. Last week in Galatians chapter 2, we looked at verses 15 through 21 when we were discussing justification through faith. But, but flip over. Flip over to Galatians 2 and look at verse 20. Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Jesus poured himself out for the good of sinners to provide freedom from God's wrath by taking the wrath on himself. Though he had no sin, he died a sinner's death so that we, through his resurrection, might have life. We have been set free and by trusting him, we're set free to love him and to love one another. Let's go back to chapter 5, verse 14. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law is fulfilled by loving God and others. The law was given through Moses not as a checklist for mankind, but rather to teach mankind to love God. I mean, the first four commandments, vertical, it's all about loving God. The last six, horizontal, it's all about loving one another. God's fully aware that we hurt those that we commit adultery, that we kill, that we steal, or that we covet from. When we do those things, we hurt others. We show that we don't love them, that we don't value them, that we don't care for them. It's only that when we're, lit, when we're living a life of love that we're able to fulfill the intentions of the Old Testament law concerning the relationships we have with one another. To live a love or live a life of loving sacrifice is the real purpose behind the law. When we're living under control of the Holy Spirit, we're motivated to serve others in love and not just only to fulfill the commandments, but the intent as well. A love relationship with God and others fulfills this intent and requirements of the law. Love is the motive for a life of responsible service to God and others. I mean, all the commandments are summed up in just one word, love. 
Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, and you also love one another. By this, all men will know you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. When we love our neighbors, it is the satisfaction, it is the fulfillment of the whole law. Love for others, it combats. When you love your neighbor, it combats the self-centeredness, self-entitlement that we all have. And it's to be an active love. It's to be demonstrated to those around us. It is the law that doesn't the law doesn't motivate us. It's the love that we have that should motivate us. Verse 15 helps us recognize when we're not loving. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. When I was a kid, we used to watch television um, not very often, but there was a couple programs we'd watched a lot, and, and one was, um, I don't Wild Kingdom. Uh, it was sponsored by Mutual of Omaha. I just remember the commercials. But um, I remember we would sit in the living room, and we would watch, and they'd go on these safaris, and they would show all this stuff. But one thing that I noticed watching those shows are that when wild animals go to devour their prey, they first bite. They, they grab a hold, locking their jaws onto their prey. And then they begin to tear. And then they begin to devour. And it's this physical, gruesome, difficult act to watch. And, and this is what Paul's laying out for us. If we're not motivated by love, this is what can quickly happen. We begin to bite and devour each other. When you no longer look for the good and you begin to see just faults and shortcomings, it doesn't take long for fellowship that once was strong to be broken, to even get shattered, to be torn apart. I mean, Paul makes this pretty clear that if we fall into a habit of criticizing and backbiting our brothers and sisters in Christ, we just will destroy each other. I mean, the freedom that they had, the freedom that we have, is dangerous. When, when we use our own cultural laws, our own personal understandings to judge others and to speak against them, it's as if we're savage animals tearing the flesh of each other. And when it comes to dealing with people around us, it's easy to think that we're too mature, that we're too wise, that we're too spiritual to let things ever go that far. But words and emotions can get out of hand even among the mature and the wise and the spiritual. It's when that happens that feelings get hurt and friendships get destroyed. That's when churches get divided. And the whole body of Christ suffers. Paul lays this out very clearly in these few verses. You're called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. 
love one another. If you bite and you devour, it's going to destroy each other. So I want to spend the rest of the remaining time this morning looking at the opportunities we have to relate to one another in the context of these verses. So the first thing I want to ask is, how do you think about marriage? Do you see your spouse as an opportunity to serve or be served? Wives, do you see it as an opportunity to be a helper fit for another? To serve your husband through love that flows from your faith in Christ? Or do you seek praise? To be pampered? To have your own desires met? Husbands, do you seek marriage as an opportunity for your faith in Christ to work in love? To give yourself up for your wife? To pour yourself out for the good of your bride? Or do you seek to have your needs met? To have something that just builds up your pride? Perhaps you're not married. Paul speaks to the freedom that comes from the anxieties of being married in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. How do you view this freedom? Do you view it as an opportunity for the flesh? For self-service? As a freedom to do whatever you want to do? Or do you view it as an opportunity, whether it's a season or for life, to serve others through love? Particularly in the ways that married people cannot. How do you think about raising children? I mean, there are some that, that view parenting as a big trap. Unable to do anything you ever want. Now, sometimes you're not able to take a shower. And you have no privacy. But do you resent your children because you feel robbed of an opportunity that you have to serve your flesh? I mean, you could be doing anything you want to do. Being comfortable making a name for yourself. But instead, you're pouring yourself out for their good without a word of thanks. I mean, I'll be honest. There are moments where I, I say to my loving wife, can you just imagine what it would be like if there was like only three of them? <laughs> Two of them? Our, young, our youngest would be in high school. Our youngest would be graduate. Imagine what we could do. And then she reminds me, which one wouldn't you want? That only depends on the day. <laughs> but truthfully, we should be viewing having children as a special opportunity to love and to, and to love others. And maybe you're sitting here this morning feeling pain and frustration that you would love to have the opportunity to serve a child as a mother or a father. First, I encourage you not to bury that alone. Share it with the other members of, uh, and leadership here at Grace. Allow us to pray and to walk with you in that pain and disappointment. What an opportunity that is to care and love for others. I mean, God is always calling us to live a life of faith in Christ that works itself out in love. A love that serves others in a self-sacrificial way. We are always called to do this. We do not, however, get to choose what life station we do that from. So seek God's guidance 
and the empowerment of his spirit to discern how to use your childlessness as an opportunity for God to serve others through love. And this could be said of those that are dealing with the loss of a loved one, those dealing with the physical struggles such as cancer, those dealing with the mental struggles like depression. The pain that we feel provides an amazing opportunity to serve others through love. How do you think about your job? Do you view your employer or your customers or or just as people put in your life so you can get what you want? Do you see the environment as a place where you can just look out for yourself? Maybe even to just bite a few and devour a few along the way? Or do you view your boss or your manager or your coworkers or your customers as people God has given you the opportunity to serve through a love that flows from a faith in Christ? How do you think about church membership or your participation? Do you participate in membership in the opportunities to serve in growth groups only on the basis of how they will profit you, how they'll make you feel? Are you approaching church with the question, what's in it it for me? And, And when you find nothing, do you then criticize it or refuse to participate in it altogether? Or do you view the gatherings and our membership as an opportunity to let your faith work in love to serve another? How do you think about church leadership and the opportunities to serve as an elder, as a teacher, as a nursery worker, and as a want of volunteer? Do you get annoyed at the needs of people just because they keep you from getting what you want? Do you, do you view people in the situation that, that, are, that are in front of you that God brings to light as opportunities to be a slave to all through the love that flows through a faith in Christ? We have great opportunities as husbands and wives, as friends, as parents, as mentors, as members, as leaders, to love one another. And it's difficult day in, day out. So remind yourself of the one and only gospel. Remind yourself that you have been justified through faith in Jesus Christ alone. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Those, who, those that belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Christ is everything. The world has nothing for me. And it can take nothing away. We've been given the Spirit. It produces new loves, new desires, new new affections, which stand in direct opposition to the flesh that you now have freedom from. We are to imitate Christ 
and the love that he demonstrated for us. True freedom is never the right to do what we please, but to be pleased to do what's right in the Lord. We have been given freedom in Christ, a freedom to fulfill the law by serving one another humbly in love. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, we give you thanks and praise this morning for who you are. Father, we recognize the gift that you have bestowed upon us. Father, we recognize the the daily needs that we have that are met because of your kindness to us. Father, allow us to stop and to pause and to reflect on those things. Allow us to recognize the love that you shower upon us daily. Father, we ask that you would continue to hold us accountable when we feel that that we can obtain all these things on our own. Father, that, that so often we're quick to push you aside when things are going smooth, only to run to you when they fall apart. Father, just provide reminders, reminders for us of that you are all, that everything that we have, everything that we desire to be, only comes from you. And Father, we recognize this as, as we read through Galatians. We're reminded of your gospel. We give you thanks for that. Father, we recognize that we have justification through faith, that it is nothing, Father, it is nothing that we can do on our own. Father, we give you thanks for that. And Father, this morning, as we think about the freedom that we have in Christ, Father, let us not squander that on the desires of our flesh. Father, let us use that freedom that we have this unbridled freedom that we now own, that we can use that to love those around us. Father, we ask not just for opportunities to do that. Father, that that others, others would see that love, Father, and they would come to know you because of the freedom that you have given us. Allow us to embrace the boundaries that we have in your word, Father. Allow us to, to look on them lovingly and rejoice in them. Father, most of all, allow us to take this seriously. Allow us not to read through this flippant and, and, and view it as something that, that we don't have to think about. Father, allow our lives to be different because of the freedom that we have now in Christ. Father, we give you thanks today. We give you thanks for your son, and it's in his name that we pray these things. Amen.